Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy. The number one fuckboy. The number one fuckboy. Johnny G joining me as always in the High and Mighty Studios. My nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gamers. Arthur, give him a shout out. Completely passed out. Also joining me in the High and Mighty Studios, a fellow prolific podcaster. Joining me for the first time, I got Kevin Porter. Hey, <laughs> honor to be here. Uh, honor to see you do the intro in person and you avoid eye contact uh, with Yeah, me. certain people I do. <laughs> certain people you want to make eye contact with, other people you certain just Certain people can't. I want to intimidate. Some sure, people sure, I'm sure. like, I feel bad that I'm doing this in front of you. <laughs> How many of your guests are people that you're meeting for the first time by them doing the show? Uh I would say it's like one in 10 and that's always, oh. yeah. Cause I feel like for our, uh, for the show I do, it's like maybe 30 or 40% first dates where it's like, Hey, you want to do it? And like, they come up. Uh, I mean, that usually like, goes well, but right. But at the same time, like, especially me, like I feel weird inviting like a female guest. I'm like, it's oh, in yeah, my yeah, house, sure. but I promise like I'm a safe, you don't know who I am. I'm DMing you. Cause I think you're funny or whatever. It's like, yeah. Do you feel like you would feel safer if it was at a studio? Yes. Like, I feel like at least it's like not, you're not coming into my home. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Cause there's like just a layer of weirdness there. Like I enjoy going into other people's homes and recording their totally. podcast. Cause I, it's like, I don't, you don't go in a lot of people's homes anymore. No, <laughs> no, no, no. And it's a nice emphasis. We were talking about making adult friends before we started yes. recording. <laughs> and I feel I've, I've made a not insignificant number of friends from just like from podcast stuff, oh, for either sure. in the community or just like, I guess on theirs or they guess on mine. Yeah. Do you guess on each other's podcasts? That's, Two to three hours of conversation you've had. It's friendship it's like hard steroids. Not, it's hard yeah. not to get connected. Yeah. I had this kind of long, uh, oh wait, that was on a, I think I had this recent conversation on a podcast, so I'll just drop it. But I was going to say, like, <laughs> I feel like pot is a way to make friends too. Like if sure, two, yeah, yeah. But, but low key, it's because two people or multiple people go to the side and have to have a conversation. Like it's a forced five minute engagement. Yeah. It's like, like smoke breaks. used Yeah, to be, yeah. exactly. And you would just like, and so podcasts are like this 90 minute, uh, you know, power conversation session where you're like, 
I got to come across as like real on this. So I'm going to be myself or I'm going to be forthcoming. Be you open know? and yeah, vulnerable. Exactly. I'm already ready to go to this person's house to record. Exactly. So let's talk. And yeah. it is like almost analogous to an emotional one night stand. <laughs> right. In a way, especially like after the, at the end when they're like, all right, farewell forever. <laughs> and then sometimes, you know, cause like usually you exchange numbers for practical stuff. Right. And then it's nice when like, one of you follows up and you're like, oh yeah, that'd be, you know, yeah, yeah, it's like actually, some sort of hang thing. Yeah. After. You know, we talked about doing this on the podcast. Should we do this in real life? Yeah. Like, I, I would like nothing more. Well, I will say the reason my guests are way lower in percentage strangers is because I'm the only like, like does your co-host book some and you're like, I don't know this person for me. I kind of have to meet the person to even be think to invite them. You know oh, what I mean? To think that they're a good guest. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or more like, I'm not going to, I cold invite some people off social media that I get to be friends with, but often it's someone I've met in person at some point, or I've at least seen perform live. Cause yeah. I, there's no other way for me to just like cold DMing people feels unusual. I've for done me. it. Oh, I've done it a lot. And again, maybe having like a female co-host does make it different where it's not just like, come hang out with me. <laughs> right, and like right, talk right. To me. Yeah, I guess. And this is, I have no problem. I, it's, I have no problem. I'm just aware that they might, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, Gabriel, <laughs> you, you follow the Mike Pence rule of like uh, <laughs> yeah. mixed gender conversation. Yeah. So I have a picture of, of my wife that, uh, <laughs> or I throw her up on FaceTime whenever I have a woman sure, over. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this is mother. Just in the background. <laughs> she's not watching the whole time, but she's no, there if need she, be. Yeah. She's there just to make everyone feel that's safe. Right. Oh, that's an insane, that's humiliating. Also like saying that means like without my wife, I will do something sketchy. Oh yeah, no, this whole, <laughs> so the Mike Pence rule used to be known as the Billy Graham rule. It just the idea of like, I cannot meet alone one-on-one -on -one with a woman. Yeah. And the idea is like, you're supposed to be above reproach. And if anyone would like gossip, not like I can't contain myself. But then when people implement it, it's usually like, well, I just don't know what could happen. And then it is like weirdly degrading and dehumanizing. Right. And it is, it is just sort of like, that's not something I do. It easily covers, um, also for when you do meet up without your wife there, it's like, I, Hey, I'm pretty public about never doing that. This right. woman is lying. And then there's no like normalizing. <laughs> right, it. So right. then, yeah, you always feel like a monster for doing it. A friend of mine just applied for a job where like part of the guidelines was that. And she found that out later after they made an offer. And she's like, I don't know if I can do this. And here's why. And she did tell them that because then, you know, when men are in the leadership, yeah, very yeah. difficult for women to get advancement within the company. Especially if they're not allowed to be in one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> yeah, like the guidelines were, she she was texting them to me. It's like, if you need to have like an emotional conversation, you have to do it in public, not in the office. Like there were all these insane, like kind of asterisks a attached to it. Oh, weird. She's not weird. taking the job, no, so no. it's fine. But I wonder like what that is just like, protection culture like it's just like so everything nothing is secret like no is that like that plan i guess well there's a weird like um misogynist me too correction that can happen where it's like well i guess we all need a 10 foot pole rule so right. we don't get yeah. in the that's also all right, so this team of way. copywriters and art directors is all chicks this one's all dudes yeah, yeah, that yeah. way no <laughs> nothing sketchy can happen exactly. and it's like all right who's up to for the better gig all right team of all dudes <laughs> team of all women hey i know we don't want you guys to get like in a weird situation so if you want to stay back and work on you know it, it you're right it, it becomes like that when dads are like you know not my daughter. And it's like, oh, yeah, my son was fucked his teacher and I'm proud of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just like, creates a whole culture of yeah. bad shit. Yeah, it just keeps it going. Uh, but 
something that doesn't uh, promote a negative culture. Hey, what a flawless segue. The boy is a longtime <laughs> podcast host. Um, what pa- episode number is this, by the way? Oh, I have no idea. 200 <laughs> something? Yes, easily. Nice. Yeah, easily 200 something. I just, I say I have no idea because I just don't know when it's coming out. Gotcha. But it's in the 230s. In the 230s, point. great. Also, the other thing is, since my podcast can sort of be, episodes can be named by guest and topic. Mm. So I'm like, oh, Kevin Paddington too. The number never really sticks with you gotcha, where it's like, yeah. I feel like for some podcasts where it's like comedy bang, bang, number 444, you know what I mean? Like oh, it makes more sense to know the, the issues. Numbers, yeah. yeah. For me, it's like, I, I don't even know what number I'm on. I know it's past 200. After a hundred, yeah. who cares? <laughs> and really, who cares? <laughs> I mean, listeners, who cares? <laughs> me, why do I care? No one should be doing this. Oh, so listening or hosting. <laughs> Le- oh, wow. What a great <laughs> attitude to give to your listeners. <laughs> of like, you're kind of dumb for even pretending. Participating in this. It's like when Doughboys pretend like their show sucks. It's like, no, it doesn't. Yeah. And you know it doesn't. Oh, it, I mean, it does, but we like it. <gasps> yes. that's, that's the problem is that there you're like, you're right. It does suck a little bit, but I'm broken, so I love it. Yes. I guess it is acknowledging a, a collective brokenness in all of us. <laughs> that's all I'm trying to get exactly. across. But I'm you like, know, I need you to listen, but I also hate you for listening. You know, it's not broken, though. <laughs> Freaking Paddington Brown. Holy shit. I this movie pierced pop culture like uh a, like no other children's movie I felt like in the last couple of years well it's it's interesting because it's not like a Pixar level hit right right but for the people who found it and love it it's beautiful like I just rewatched it again for this conversation and like I saw I still never even seen Paddington one. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I've only seen Paddington 2 because uh, everyone was like, Paddington 2 is amazing. I'm like, oh, do I have to watch Paddington 1 to watch Paddington 2? They're like, no, you know who Paddington but is. I, th- I think it's more resonant if you do. Uh, this is like the this is like the movie equivalent of like uh, the first four episodes of Succession. They're kind of okay, but right, once you right. get to five, uh, yeah. it is like, for me, I, d- I do recommend people watch the first oh, one. Oh, okay. Well, then I will, go back the and watch. I will go back and watch it. Because it's not as good. The first one's like... A better than average family movie. Right. And like the performance is still great, the animation's great, and the cast is still the same cast. So then there is like this weird thing uh, because how many years was it in between like three or four years? Or maybe two or three years. Who cares? But just seeing like the kids grow up and right. seeing like the arc of like Mr. Brown used to freaking hate Paddington and uh, to see him come to the defense so hard in Paddington no, 2. Oh, that's so it's cute. Very touching, oh, I didn't even think of that. Sweet. I got to yeah. see Paddington 1 now. Oh, yeah, Paddington 2 it. is like a fucking Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> like, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And there was a lot of Wes Anderson DNA in the first one, though. There was oh, like, cool. There's like a diorama where the like the house opened up and you saw like even more so like a lot of life aquatic stuff. Yeah. And it's so, so and you saw a, it because people recommended. Yeah, you people do were talking about it, and I watched it, and I was just like, I watched it with uh, Tiff, my wife, and we could not believe how good it was. Like the whole time, I was like, like, I, like an hour into the movie, there's the scene or hour and fifteen minutes where Hugh Grant is doing all the voices for his assorted characters, yeah. having a conversation. And I'm like, is this one of Hugh Grant's best movies? Well, you saw I, the quote, right? Uh, no, Hugh Grant recently did an interview where. Uh, he was talking about some Golden Globes joke where they were dunking on him for doing Paddington 2. Uh, and, you know, who cares about the Golden Globes? But the thing he said in response is like, you know, I think it's my best movie. <laughs> I think it might be. He is it's pretty up there. And he's not, And he's not fully doing his wheelhouse that like is the bumbling. Like he is doing it a little bit enough to 
add his level to it, like add yeah. his uh, his thing, Hugh Grant's thing to it. But he's not doing the full on vert. Like he's not like it's like Michael Sarah doing a slight take on himself. So like I think he's even stepping outside of his comfort zone yeah. in his character. Yeah. Well, he's got a weird thing now in his in his later age, kind of like the the kind of cliche about Brad Pitt is he's a character actor in a leading man's body. Yeah. In terms of like his style and stuff. You can see that with Hugh Grant too, where he was like the heartthrob and the tabloid guy and Notting Hill and Bridget Jones. Right, and right, right, right. It's like, I think he's more interested in doing this weird stuff and like he, he's being good. hammy he's funny. and funny. And yeah, yeah. He's funny. And like the character, like it, it's fucking good. And the movie is the set pieces. Like it, there you have, it's like Mr. Bean. Like it, it has what I think I like about Paddington too so much is that it has a lot of stuff. I like like imagery and like attitudes and POVs of a lot of like my favorite, like that kind of cool, like outside the box kid stuff that you like grew, like grew up mm -hmm. liking. And then all of a sudden you just like Paddington two is all of that. It's like talks to you like an, you're an adult, but it's a movie for kids. It's like things are, you know, there's stakes, but everything is like beautiful and everyone is kind. And then yeah. this movie has like the connections and the callbacks, like everything that they established for everyone in the family comes into play in the rescue. You know what I mean? Like it is they like, use the whole Buffalo on a script and, and people like people who don't know people who haven't seen it do look at me very strange when I talk about like, Oh yeah. Paddington two is like a flawless script. It's only set up, pay off, set up, pay off, set exactly. up. Exactly. It is so tight. It's like a, th an hour 35, an hour 38 or something yeah. like that. And it's like, I need to, I want this book. I need a job. I need to, I do my job. Yeah. I get my money. Something happens. Like I go to jail. I got to get out of jail. I get out of jail. I got to do this. I got, I do it. And it's just like, it's so simple mm -hmm. and beautiful. Like because of that, it's beautiful. And you can't imagine like any deleted scenes that would have Hit the cut like oh clearly they kind of edited this down right. or like oh, there's that's a little weird piece. that they didn't never went to the dock it's or whatever like, you know yeah it's so purpose so my my way into Paddington was uh so when Paddington two was about to come out there was like a lot of buzz about it and film Twitter was going nuts for it and this is back in the movie past days so like beginning of like end of 2017 beginning of 2018 yeah yeah and we went to see the new Jumanji movie starring your stump double Jack Black <laughs> and, and my friend and I, I think that by the way quick aside to Jumanji yeah that's Jack Black's best comedic role in a decade I thought it was really funny <laughs> in it but I did not like the movie and so we did leave in the middle Whoa. of it my friend and I were just like not feeling it at all, which I think is an unpopular take. Yeah, Very I kind of dug it. Yeah, but movie pass, you could have, you could just leave in the middle. Right. You wouldn't I, feel yeah, like you wasted your night. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, I heard Paddington Two is gonna be really good. Should we watch the first one? Because it was on Netflix at the time. And so we went home, we went back to my place and watched the first one. And it felt like getting punched in the like gut with like how sweet and since it like just not what you're expecting. Like and you're learning saying awe the whole yeah. time. And it's not, it's cute, but it's, it's, but touching. it's not saccharine. Yeah, yeah. It's like touching. So, so we watched the first one. It's like, oh, that's so great. See the first one and, or see the second one with like a little group of friends. And that truly did feel like afterwards I was tired because there was, so, uh, do you cry in movies? Do you? All the time. Okay, great. Yeah. I'm a big movie crier. I actually have an easier time crying watching movies than I do when I'm crying sad. Yeah. No, I no, think, no, no. Yeah, same. Yeah. I just get like so much energy from movies. And then also when I'm really stoned, I <laughs> am like more closer to crying you know yeah. just like i'm closer to laughing i'm closer to crying as well do you so. feel like because doing pot like puts you 
more directly in touch with your emotions. I or? feel like it's that. And it's also like, I'm not distracted. I'm less distracted from the movie. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm like completely caught up in it. Like I cried at fucking the long shot book smart. You know what I mean? Like these movies that are I like, cried at book smart. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like so ready to cry. I feel yeah. like I used to, one of my uh, old like nighttime habits was like after Tiff went to sleep, if I wasn't tired yet, I would watch like four modern families on DVR and just blow through <laughs> yeah. like commercials and shit. And I would cry in 70% of the third acts of that show. And it's not even that good of a show anymore. Yeah, like I'm not fine. even yeah, I'm not even connected to it at all. Yeah. But it's fine. But I've just watched so many that whenever like Luke and Phil have like a da- father-son moment, I'm just like, pop. I'm yeah. crying watching fucking How mom. funny. So I found the line of demarcation for me was like pre-inside out and post-inside out. And this wasn't even a conscious thing, but watching that movie, which is obviously like so explicitly it's about, about emotions. About like joy and sadness working together and stuff. Yeah. But that movie being like a very cry-worthy movie. But then I noticed after that. And after seeing that movie in my life, I was just like way more open to like, whether it was movies or just in the car, listening to music or talking with people. Like I was more prone to Inside crying. Out connected you to your emotions. Honestly. Well, just thinking about like not to get too much Let's into please. it, but just like <laughs> the climax of the movie is like a little girl like deciding that it's okay to be sad. I know. And, and just like built to it. Like yes. built to it. Like it's a fucking stealing the idol from a cave. It or, was a yeah, set piece yeah, in the yeah, movie, right. which is like so, to me, and that's why I think it's my favorite Pixar because like every other Pixar, you can kind of see, you kind of get, oh, it's about family, it's about this, it's about that. But like culturally, I feel like there's not that much mainstream messaging about like joy and sadness do work together you need to be in touch with, like, outside of Mr. Rogers, which I feel like is a big touchstone with the whole Paddington conversation. Yes, I think that's part of, like, it, it has the Mr. Rogers inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone Paddington's friends with is a freak. You know what I mean? Like, in, <laughs> in object, like, he goes to, like, he's friends with, like, the weird colonel who's angry, but he still insists on watching yeah. his window and makes his life better. Oh, this weirdo, this shaggy, fucked up looking dog is, uh, Wolfie is his mm-hmm, friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to jail and there's all these, like, twisted figures and guys. And then they're all, so Paddington breaks them all open. It's like, Paddington is open mind like and it, that reminds me of the mr rogers shit of like well come on take your shoes off put them in the pool with yeah. me and stuff and in both those cases the messaging is not complex or even like that nuance per se but the simplicity of it and just like oh i like you and i like you and this part about you and, oh, yeah. and th- like just like finding inherent value in people when he talks to knuckles mcginty yeah and he's like oh, i just got me fists i just know how to find he's like no, there's a fine pair of orange squeezes. I lie, I'm, I'm, just I'm like, getting chills. <laughs> I'm getting chills because I was like, you got a fine pair of orange squeezes. Like I just knew. So so I saw it, I saw Panton 2 in the theater with my friends. And then subsequently, because this was the movie past era, I did see it seven times in the theaters. And afterwards. I and talking about how you find guests for your podcast. Yeah. Hearing you talk about Paddington 2 and tweet about Paddington 2 and then I seeing it and realizing how much it meant to me is that's when I get the thing in my head where I'm like, I want to talk to Kevin yeah. about Paddington 2, oh, which is like really the nice. exact idea behind my podcast. And this was like the perfect example of it. I was like, we sort of know each other. You know, we, we run in the same Colleagues. circles. We run into <laughs> yeah. each other at parties. We bullshit. Everything's great. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh. 
I want to talk about Pankin 2 to this person. And so even <laughs> we are finally getting around to recording. And it's I know. like, Pankin 2 is like a outside bit. of the conversation. <laughs> and you're like, I'm down to talk about whatever. I'm like, no, I still want to it's talk about it. Because this has been... Uh, an email thread that I flaked on that we've had running for quite and a then while. I flaked on a little bit. Yeah, and we're all down. guilty and we're all innocent. We're, yeah, but we're here now, so mission flakes. accomplished. Um, like what? What's their name? Aunt Nancy or whatever that Paddington always quotes. Aunt Lucy. Aunt Lucy. Yeah. Aunt Lucy says, "If we're kind of polite, the word." But okay, so I've seen if it like sixteen <laughs> times at this point. <laughs> I I think I've lost count, and I've only seen the first one like twice. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just it's such a good. It's a feel good movie. Every set piece is gorgeous. Like it yeah. looks good. It sounds good. Everything is right. It's not cheesy. It's not saccharine. Like Paddington goes through it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And like Paddington, this is a movie where the main character goes to jail mm -hmm. and, and reforms it and reforms the prison system. Yeah. There's just not a lot. Again, like just talking on the script level, how there's no fat to it. But then also visually, it feels like everything was super well considered and it is the mr rogers aesthetic of of just speaking directly to things but the simplicity feels startling because you don't get simplicity that much right on like a film level so everything that's happening is thematically loaded and like oh what is this saying about prison stuff what is this saying about like Bre it's like there's a lot of brexit and immigration thematics right, in it yeah because there's a lot of doctor like, who being like we don't want him here and yeah all and this everyone's stuff. like wait who cho who told you that you were in charge you just bought yourself a vest or whatever yes. it's a great oh, line and then the first one <laughs> it's a little more explicit where dr peter capaldi colonel not he's not the colonel. No, I forget his name in the Peter movie. Peter Capaldi is like the security guard yeah. uh, of the town. Or but whatever. when Paddington moves in with the Browns first, he does say like, "Oh, I don't want to hear any of that jungle music you're playing all oh, night." Wow. So like the racial <laughs> analogs of it and yeah. like the idea of like racism is very underlined. I feel like well, throughout the whole. It's thing. weird because it like the movie touches on without ever saying stuff like race adoption just based on the Paddington yeah. family. Then we get into prison reform. Then we get into like waning success and feeling old from the, like from the Hugh Grant character. Oh, yeah. And Hugh Grant's playing a version of himself in this movie right. as Phoenix Buchanan. Oh, the dog, when they, when they reference the dog food commercial Oof. and then you laugh and then when you see it yeah. and it's like, it's even more humiliating than it could have possibly been, you know, without being mean. Mm -hmm. It's like, he's like, Oh, that, you know, I need to, I need to get paid, you know? And it's like, oh, that's funny. He did a dog food commercial. That's my, how they've fallen. And when they show it and he's in a dog costume <laughs> eating dog food out of a bowl of the fork and then has to bark at the end, you're like, oh, this poor man. <laughs> yeah. That was Paul King slipping something in for the furries. Uh, yeah. Watching movie, <laughs> thankfully. But I feel like that takes a real special, like kind of uh, rigidity of ego to be able to play that stuff and you know to be you, an aging actor in yes. a role that you don't necessarily aren't famous for playing an aging actor who yeah. can't find a role <laughs> but i feel like i was uh, this might have been some criticism i wrote about but like the the idea of hugh grant doing this and kind of like humbling himself and like the villain role even though it is like flashy and fun it does kind of speak to a lot of like british acting aesthetics where the cast is kind of stacked as hell in every part like 
Sally Hawkins and Hugh Bonneville from Downton Abbey. Yeah, and fucking like Richard Ayoad is like everyone who has like one line mm-hmm. is someone you know. If you, it, Michael Gambon, who has like two lines at the beginning of the movie in the prologue. Oh right, who yeah. is a Dumbledore in? <laughs> but they're all like, yeah, 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 I'll I'll do you know I'll do like two days on Paddington too. I just like acting. Yeah, so many, and it's like a British comedy fucking mm-hmm. reunion. Absolutely yeah. fabulous. Yeah, have fabs in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Ayoad from IT Crowd. Uh, uh, everyone but the mighty boosh appear pretty this, much yeah. yeah and it's wild like uh wait you started this thought with uh it's an acting class british guest stars where where was this coming from oh just why hugh grant would do it and right. his like ego and doing it yes and the fact that he like it and it lends such a fucking air of credibility to the movie yeah. too when you're like no everyone is fucking swinging for the fences and playing in the world you know yeah well and this it feels like so in the first one Nicole Kidman plays the villain of the movie and like a real like sharp looking Bob wig and it feels oh, like if they I'm wanted to, to kid- no it's, it's not bad <laughs> I'm a big fan of Kidman in general but sure. a Kidman as a villain Ticks another box. Yeah, it's great. In this one, she does want to kill Paddington and oh, stuff hotter. him. <laughs> I want What's her to kill me. <laughs> I want to dress up like Elvis and ever shove me down a flight of stairs, and I come the whole way. Nicole Kidman, shove me, or however shove people me. on the internet talk. Like yeah. run me over with your car, Nicole Kidman. Kick me in the face or whatever. Oh yeah. Oh no, I know. And people are like Phoebe Waller Bridge for Paddington Three villain now, and it is like yeah. That work. makes sense. That's good. great. Yeah. It does feel like if they wanted to keep making these movies, they could keep making them and then like just have like the juice A-list. of big British yeah. A-list bad guys. Yeah. yeah. It'd be so good. Because the movies are like, they are children's movies. So it is like, um, Hugh Grant's plot is that he's got a pop-up book that gives you clues to a treasure map to like, it's yeah. like all, and it's fun and gorgeous and fantastical. And it's like, that's the, that is the level of villainy we're talking about. Yeah. But then there's a scene where he, he like almost kills Paddington. <laughs> he almost kills Paddington, but also he goes and testifies in court and just like lies under the witness yeah. stand and says like he did it. And it's like, oh my God, no, that's actually really nefarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> false, false testimony. I know is one of your big pet peeves. Oh yeah, that podcast. impersonating a police officer. <laughs> the two things, the false testimony, uh, <laughs> clearly I have like this court case pending that I yeah, keep yeah. Up, laying the groundwork about false testimony. And another thing about Epstein, <laughs> what? Oh no. <laughs> That's what he's about. Oh man, it's I a knew different this was podcast. <laughs> what do you think like spoke to you about the kid? Because for me, there was like this haze afterwards where like the whole year of 2018, I think I watched like one scene from Paddington every day on average where it's like I would like watch a little thing before I go to sleep or a part of it and it did become in my head like I don't feel like I'm watching a movie anymore. I feel like I, like Paddington's this thing where it's like, I would think about his attitude towards people and his kindness and his decency and then kind of use that to like start informing like day-to-day decisions. Like in inspiring my life. like behavior in like, yourself. Yeah. yeah. As a Mr. Rogers model. And obviously it's different. It's a fictional character that's, you know, 70 years old in books, but, but like, yeah, he became like this real vivid person where it's like, he wants this. He cares about this. He's fallible in this way. So what do you think about the character of Paddington spoke to you the most and that you connected with? I think part, I think I'm, it's pretty similar to what you're talking about here. It felt it's, it's no surprise that this movie came out 
in the last couple years and had such an effect because it feels like an exact swing in the opposite direction of what is happening on a grander scale in society, politics, American culture or whatever, where there's like this lending towards like negativity, uh, which I'm all for. I love like the negative comedy and fucking takedowns, whatever. But there's like all the all this like rhetoric from the right and all the shit that's happening. And you're like, this is so fucked up. This is so fucked up. And what Paddington two is, is like the exact op. It's like unfucking. It's like yeah. unfucking things. And it's like, what be kinder like, and, and it's always like, you're talking about the simple message of just something. It's like, I, and I'm, I'm a big pothead and I will, I, I will always say like, I bet you everything would be a little more chill if everyone smoked weed. And I also am comfortable saying, I think if we prescribed watching Paddington two to everyone, I think it, it would, it, it pierces you. It like affects you because yeah. it is so beautiful and funny and cute and everything you want it to be. But it's also, that's the spoonful of sugar of teaching you of like, Hey, Gabrus, I know you're a 37 year old rather self-centered, selfish, like angry person who's arguably dealing with anxiety and depression. But couldn't you just be like nice and polite to everyone that you interact with at least? Right. And, and then I'm like, oh, fuck, you're right. Paddington <laughs> too, you're right, dude. Like, why aren't I at least doing that? And it's like, it makes the world right. I'm like, yeah, but no one else is going to fucking do it. And it feels like Paddington too can just turn to me or Paddington can just turn to me and go, well, you're not doing it. So you can't yell at other people for not being kind if you're not the one. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, you know, you should be kinder. Like, what the fuck? Why, yeah. aren't, why aren't I doing that? And it's like, show this movie to everyone. That's Make fucking, like, you know, the entire cabinet watch this. <laughs> the whole cabinet. I was going to say. <laughs> I everyone hate to in be the, the, like, the most, West, uh, most coastal elite libtard bubble ever but will someone please show paddington 2 <laughs> to the republican mitch mcconnell needs to watch paddington 2 like like i i hate myself for saying it but i if do Brett mean Kavanaugh it had paddington <laughs> yeah. as a roommate in his dorm and he would learn a thing or two about false testimony That's right. oh oh <laughs> and, and here back. we go again so epstein <laughs> I, will, in the, I went on one plane ride. Oh, man. <laughs> you know? Bill Gates? <laughs> no one talks about that in the new Bill Gates documentary on no, Netflix. Yeah, like no. <laughs> Where he like texts Epstein, like, miss you. Hope everything's good. <laughs> I wish. Uh, but that is that what you're saying, though, about like unfucking the culture in it a big like way. It felt like an antidote to whatever was currently poisoning and, and still is. Yeah. Um, whatever. And I'm sure... Not a lot of people, not less people are affected by it than I, whatever, but however you want to phrase it, it felt like it was an antidote to antidote, not anecdote, an antidote to what I was feeling about my life plus At like that my moment, place yeah. in America. Yeah. I know what you're saying because it feels like, um, I've been thinking about this a lot recently where like post 2016 stuff, everyone feels charged up about a lot of things, but specifically with media that we consume, like TV and movies, they have become intrinsically political objects. So like, for example, take like the Oscars race in 2016 or like <laughs> beginning of 2017, when it was like Moonlight or La La Land. Moonlight is about a queer person of color yeah. coming into their own, blah, blah, blah. La La Land is a bunch of white people appropriating jazz. jazz. Yeah. <laughs> and so, it, so you do feel like this divide of like people measuring the intrinsic value yes. of media by like, this is, this captures the, mo like, like the stuff with Handmaid's Tale, which I've never watched, 
the marketing with it drives me so nuts, which is like, this is the dystopia. This is the story we need in Trump's America right now, like now more than ever. And you see this like deployed, like mainstream marketed feminism. Right. Like you right. see it deployed for like capitalistic purposes that just feel so dystopian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like handmaid's tale wine, get it, which they did not make. Ultimately. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but so, so you do feel that. And, and there's this thing, even now, even especially now, coming off of like this summer of like, uh, like once upon a time in Hollywood, how your kind of opinion about that and the way you expressed what you liked or disliked about that for some people and not at all for others. And probably for the ones that didn't are the ones that unlike us are not extremely online and right, super right, like right, emotions right. in this stuff, but that did kind of determine value at a certain point. Right. I remember hearing someone talk in reference to once upon a time in Hollywood saying, I really liked the movie, but I mean, that ending, that was really, spoiler alert, uh, really violent towards women. And I was like, yeah, but it was a movie? Like, and I like, you know, I was like, yeah. it's like a movie about a heightened reality. And the people that are being killed are murderers. Yeah. And it's like, I get it. I get it. You said you loved it, except about that. I'm like, also, it's a, it's one minute in a 180 minute movie. Like, it's it, not every frame is going to be for everybody. And yes, it was very violent towards women, but it was like, it, it wasn't promoting that, <laughs> you know, it right. wasn't like our hero beats his wife and still love, like he defends his home from home invaders with weapons. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, and then not to do a sub sub tangent, but there is this thing too, I feel like happening where people don't want any, uh, latitude for discernment and how they consume stuff. Right. They kind of, you saw book smart yeah. and you loved it. Like I did. Yeah. Yeah. Booksmart, there's like, is an unimpeachable movie from an ethical perspective. Well, there's some weird stuff with the teacher, but for the most part, it's like- There's some weird stuff with the teacher. And then uh, my uh, friend, Mark Rennie, pointed out one thing about the movie that I can't unsee now. He's like, everyone is wildly concerned about going to Ivy League schools. Like the entire premise yeah, predicates yeah, on yeah, Ivy yeah. League schools. And like, what? These dummies are going to Ivy League school? Like, and it's sort, and he's like, it feels like that's the negative thing to say about Booksmart, if there is one. Right, right, right. Otherwise, it's, like elitism. it's fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Booksmart is like an example of uh, being able to like inherent values rather than discern them. Yes. So it's like you can watch and just be like, oh, yeah, they love Malala. Oh, they're talking about gender identity in the correct way and how it's different from sexual orientation. Great. I agree with all this. And then you don't need to like process it all. Right. And it does feel like movies and TV shows are filling the moral vacuum left by institutional failure of like, the government and right, yes. churches in America or like all religion Even really like communities and, in whatever yeah. way. Yeah, and yeah. so these things are like, Oh, it's just a piece of art. We just wanted to like make it like Tarantino. I'm sure has no moral, like yeah. uh, he feels no moral responsibility to portray or not portray a certain thing. Right. But now everyone's kind of before they get out of the theater and during the movies, writing the potential think pieces in their head of like, Ooh, would I get kind of, uh, not flayed? Cause again, the consequence for us is not It's not the same. Yeah. But, but it's it also is like, not for Quentin. Yeah. Yeah. For, right. right. Yeah. But it is, it is different. And I feel like Paddington two does, <laughs> it, it did fill a moral vacuum for me, but it did it with like quiet dignity that I think is different it's from like a lot of the stuff. It's inherently British. It's like, yeah. it's like British stoicism of like, time to be kind gents, you know, like walking yeah. out into like invading forces. Well, gents, it's time to, you know, die for our, you know, like just that kind of like 
cavalier British attitude where it's like cash. Like they always have the most casual heroes. I feel like, you know, like in their stories or like in their cult, like in the stereotype of their stories, it's like, well, boys, they're, you know, <laughs> the invasion is in an hour. It's like, we might as well have tea, like, gentlemen. It's an honor to yeah, play with you. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then Americans are like, come and get it, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, and loud about it. And and just like, uh, how to talk about cancel culture on a podcast, how to do it. Let me see. Uh, well, put it this uh, way. <laughs> let's wait until You my... had some thoughts about Chinatown you want to <laughs> yeah, share, yeah. right? I thought... <laughs> I'm so infuriated by that because it just sounded like someone who didn't like, they were like, it starts talking about how much they dislike the architecture of Chinatown. It's like, yeah. they got these weird buildings. That just makes me write you off as like a, a person a to guy. engage with. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, like, just like, I'm like, I don't even want to talk. I don't even want to hear your follow-up if you think Chinatown looks weird. Yeah, or that like, Chinese food is bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> and we're using the right terminology. Yeah, but all that to say like cancel culture stuff which a lot of it is good to like call, you know, obviously we're going to affirm me too stuff and whatnot, but it's always easier to call out the lack of virtue than to model it yourself. Right. If you notice in the movie, Paddington doesn't like call people out. He for never stuff. says like, you're not behaving correctly. Yeah. Knuckles. You'll give yeah. a hard stare if you're not polite, but he won't say like, here's what you did wrong. Here's right. how you need to fix yourself. He just quietly models the virtue that he thinks everyone else should follow. He's like, let's for like, make marmalade sandwiches yes, for everyone. It's for like, a better relationship mm -hmm. and society and culture. And then everyone in prison is like, oh yeah, I do like baking and I can make this and I make a mean apple crumble and you know, yeah. all this stuff. But Charlie he, Rumble, he makes a mean apple crumble. Right, but he doesn't do it by first coming from this place of like, I see this and you need to fix it. So I'm going to help you fix it. He's like, I could do this. And then everyone's like, you know, and he brings it down and yeah, he, he like brings out what's inherent. He like inspires people. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's like, what is, he's not saying like, if we're talking about it as an antidote to society, it's, he's not pointing out what's wrong with society. He's just showing you what you could do to make it better for everyone around you. Right. And so yeah. the movie is so quietly dignified itself in that it doesn't feel like, this is the narrative we need now more than ever. It's, it's like, just how dare is. you treat prisoners like this? Yeah. You know, it's not none of that, but it is like, let's make their lives better. It never feels didactic at all. The and shot when they, when he accidentally dies, everyone's uh, uniforms pink oh. and they flash to everyone. That shit is like, yeah. And they're all pissed, but they're mm -hmm. all in pink. And it's like, this is also the casting of the criminals in this movie is some of the best, most inspired casting I've ever seen where every single one of them looks a little sketchy and a little scary in gray and white. Mm -hmm. And every single one of them looks cute and sweet and, and pink silly. and gray. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, they just have like the main guy who's like the main bully looks so intimidating and scary. And then when he smiles, he's beautiful and like feels welcoming. And you're like, that's, I, I got caught up in that scene in that movie because I was like, Charlie Grumble is a dude who just goes, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. but by the end when we when he comes in and goes, like and gets introduced <laughs> and it's like he's cute now. Yeah, they like the casting to find people that could play both and uh, Brendan Gleeson is an amazing one like, of he's his the best performances yeah, ever. It's like too. the pinnacle of that version because he is a scary huge guy, but he's also mad eye moody, and you activate yeah. that from him where he's like. And he's so fucking sweet. <laughs> yeah, and Mr. Gruber, uh, what's his name? Jim Broadbent. As oh, Mr. Yes. Gruber in the in the antique shop. Oh. Like again, just like the most stacked freaking cast <laughs> that you know. could imagine. Like and the fact that they all have like little arcs too. Yes, like, well, that's a thing. Like 
talking about the movie using the whole Buffalo, like uh, the mom is a diver swimmer and that comes mm-hmm. into play. The, you know, everything that the, the ladder that he uses to wash windows comes into play. We find out what happens at the store. The owner has his own arc. Uh, the neighborhood has its own arc. Like he gets the Colonel to fall in love with the newspaper woman, yeah. the parrot, every, everything that's set up affects the movie eventually. And it's, it's like so- people used to describe breaking bad and kind of the plotting of that as like a perfect watch. Like if you, if you rewatch breaking bad, there's no story or plot line where you're like, what was that about? Yeah, it's like a perfectly constructed, like every gear goes to every Ooh, cog. That's a movie. I, I, that's a show I watched like every Sunday. Like I watched it weekly. Yeah. I would be curious to rewatch on a binge because that might be really fun to like yeah. see. And then like, I think it holds up. I, I've binged it before with friends who are new to the show. Yeah. I, I think I'm it, very curious. I think it is good. It's in my, uh, that's, and I'm realizing that like, that's a very airtight kind of show too, mm-hmm. where everything they do comes into play later. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's not like a game of Thrones where it's like, Oh, we were in that kingdom for a long time yeah, to get like, like a, yeah, who cares? <laughs> so, and again, Paddington is the same way where like every, everything affects everything. It's all cause and effect. Like right. every scene leads into every scene leads into every yeah, scene. Yeah. And it comes across as like simplistic, but it's beautiful in its simplicity. Yeah. Like it's just like, and about the simplicity, it, it is this refrain of like anytime, a movie isn't that good that it's like a family movie or a kid's movie. Like, eh, it's just a kid's movie. Right. Like, Secret Life of Pets, ah, it's just a kid's movie. Like, don't worry about it. Minions, yeah. oh, whatever. But it is like just such a, um, and again, I think if Fred Rogers were with us now, he'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, kids are smart. They know what's going on. Right. Just talk to them. And this is a movie that doesn't talk down to anybody. It just meets you where you are. Yeah. And it does have like, Maybe even more so than Pixar, because with Pixar, I'm like, are you making movies for kids anymore? Yeah, yeah. Like, who's I this for? This is, I feel like this is for the kids you brilliant, weird geniuses were when you were 10. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's not everyone, guys who end up working at Pixar. Right. <laughs> the beautiful, the people who are master animators and storytellers and have these wild, vivid imaginations. It's like, you might have been a little different when you were 10 than fucking I was playing soccer, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It is for the, uh, the little Ivy leaguers and books. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately. But this is a movie that I feel like the way it talks and speaks to the audience, the way he talks and speaks to people is just like meeting. I don't, I mean, I don't know any kids personally, but I know <laughs> in the viewings that I saw it in, in the theater, the kids were like in rapture. I remember in that scene that is the climax of the movie where he's underwater, the kid behind us goes, is Paddington going to die? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so sweet. Oh, and that's important for kids to like care about a person and a character and like yeah. be connected to some someone or something other than themselves or their parents. Like Yeah, and I and I wonder if it would like impart empathy to young viewers to watch it. Even as much as like we're wrestling with it as adults. Like, right. I think we just I would say that kids might have the same effect. They just would have a harder time articulating what they were feeling. It's like like but I think that's like I think part of what I really liked about Paddington too also was that watching it, I was like, this is a good movie for kids to like, to be able to have. Mm-hmm. I thought that about Booksmart too, I, as whereas I didn't love it as much as everyone else did. I did think it was funny. I, but I, I, and I enjoyed it, but I'm like, this is a good movie to exist. D- totally. Yeah, this yeah. is just like a good, like the, uh, and then I will say sort of in the same breath, but have you seen good boys? I've not seen good boys now. 
I heard it was great. I really enjoyed Good Boys, and it and I I think it's like one of these movies. As a, a childless thirty seven year old would yeah. say, I think kids need to. It's an R rated movie starring kids. Yeah. So it's not exactly for kids, but there's an element to it where they are actually good boys mm -hmm. who get caught up in some drama or whatever, and it's like. This is the kind of shit I needed when I was a kid where yeah. it's like you can be, you know, you can get drunk at a party with your friends and then like still bounce back and go to school and like figure out, you know, you're not become, you don't become a wasteoid and are like right, sucking right, right. dick in a gas station one week after you drink or whatever. So yeah. good boys like imparts like an, an ethic of like, it's not a binary, like yeah. you're good and or like, bad. And the, like and the kids are like what they think is cool is not necessarily cool. We, and you're the viewer watching it going like, no, these kids are cool. They just don't see it yet. <laughs> but there's shit like, I don't want to do a Molly. What if I become addicted? You know, like, and yeah. it's like just all these like cute shit, like attitude you don't really see. And I thought, and like, they were genuinely good people. They were like, we have to return it. She's going to be so upset, you know, like, and it's just an interesting way. And, and watching that movie, I was like, this is both very funny. And I also think, Kids should watch this. Yeah. Well, it did super well. Maybe I'll make good preteens. Like eighth grade too, I felt like too. Uh, Bo Burnham's movie. Did you eighth see that? Grade. That was another one that year. I think I did that come out the same year. Yeah, it was 2018. Yeah. So my top 10 for the year was like Pangton 2, eighth grade, and then a bunch of other stuff. Was, was Good Time 2018? I think. No, I think that was 2017. Yeah, it might be 2017. That was like my favorite movie. Can't look time. it up on the phone, apparently. No. <laughs> I'd rather people, I'd rather us be wrong. Um, it's all stems from, I used to listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. Then he, they started watching YouTube videos. Yeah. And, and I was like, this sucks to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> and so I stopped listening to Joe when Rogan. Did Joe Rogan become kind of radicalized? Or radicalizing. Like, the, the kind of guy who would have Jordan B. Peterson on a bunch. Yes, yes. And I, th I don't know. Happen? But I think... There is that weird path of like masculinity, comedy, freedom of speech. Like, it, like you, you consider yourself both masculine and in comedy. Then you become like this person who believes about like free speech above all. And then once you're there, you're ten feet away from like everyone's ideas are important. And then you're ten feet yeah. like then you're even closer to like. Let's get Jordan Peterson on here. Let's hear what Steve Bannon has to say. I don't agree with him, but the guy's a smart guy. You know what I mean? Like I know. And I think that is a bummer to like, because then anytime you don't um, adhere to a, a totally like progressive politic, then you do get accused of both sides in it where it's like, okay, well, it's a slippery slope to, you know, Joe Rogan stuff. Right, right. And it's like, it, it can't be that binary of yeah, like no. <laughs> how it actually works in the world, which yeah, is unfortunate. And it, it, there is something, we, uh, there's something about culture now too where the fans steer it a little bit more than they ever did before. So like Joe Rogan's starts doing his podcast and then he realizes like, people want to hear like the kind of people start listening to Joe Rogan are kind are, of all righty. Oh yeah. Or all right. Adjacent. Yeah. Maybe. They're all right. Adjacent. Yeah. Like sort of like when like, and it's not true for everyone. Yeah, yeah. But there's like this, you know, like the MMA, like all the shit you like associate with that world. Yeah. That all the, all the stereotypical activities and shit, you know, like, I mean, I was a huge, I'm a huge MMA fan and a major libtard. I hate the fact that I even use that word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a major lefty and, uh, I, but like, there's something about being all the way over there and being proud that the things you're into are violent or dangerous or bad. And there's like an element of that, that like, and then I guess if you're looking at your 
fucking paychecks every month from God knows what he's making off YouTube and, and podcast advertising. He's probably like, well, let's lean in a little bit more of what yeah. they say. And then also you have like a guy on who like, Back when I used to listen to it, it's like, this guy's a Navy SEAL. This guy hunts, he has a show where he hunts different animals and eats them. This guy has, this guy believes that like mushrooms open up your mind in a way. And you're like, wow, this is really cool. And it's like, this guy believes that aliens have come down and like, you yeah. know, and you're like, okay. This guy believes patriarchy doesn't exist. Exactly. And then, yeah. Then, yeah. And then it's just like, you're one step away from being like, wait a minute. And I think. Joe Rogan and a lot of these people in these positions of power, like they, Joe Rogan is not what his fans are. Do yeah. you know what I mean? But like, I, I think, I think there's kind of a, like a Tommy Laren showbiz nature to it. Too. Oh wait, tell me what that reference is. Well, to Tommy Laren is like a, Oh, Tommy Laren. Sorry. Yeah. I know who you're talking She's about. She's like now. a far right commentator who like may or may not actually believe the things she espouses, but right. that's where the money is and she's in yeah. showbiz. So she's going to follow And it's it. like Joe Rogan might be the type of guy who's like, well, let's have Jordan Peterson on and see if he's got any good ideas, but that doesn't mean he like, you know, suckles at the teat of white supremacy yeah. or whatever. But some other people who listen might be, you yeah. know what I mean? And now Joe Rogan is like saying like, you can come over here and listen to the shit I'm doing because I'm, I'm talking your language over here, but not necessarily. I, I'm not talking from it from like, I believe it standpoint, yeah. but I think there's like a weird power that a lot of us have in like, you know, you like he's legitimizing to, he has 100 and a thousand times the listenership I do. Like I feel guilty if I have like someone on who has like a weird opinion and I'm like, uh, I don't fully stand by that, but it's like, that's the conversations. I know. And I do wish that that was cause I, I've gone through that where we've had maybe a couple of people on podcasts in the past where it's like, I don't wholly endorse this or like, right, right. and like whatever it is, like whether it's like a personal religious belief, which yeah. is like obvious that you don't endorse, but then like sometimes like things they'll say about, morality or gender or race where it's like, Ooh, I, I definitely wouldn't agree with that. And just like the idea of like depiction as an endorsement and being able to like, again, you get into this like weird rabbit hole of like, I actually do want to have a conversation still like affirm people's humanity, but I don't want to normalize the ideology where it's like every person is equally valuable, but right. every thought is not. Yes. Right. And that's just like really hard to put into practice. And I do think about people like Mr. Rogers or Paddington of like, how would they react to the current moment we find ourselves in where I think everybody has anxiety and has a lot of fear. And so the way to counteract that in ourselves is to kind of look for the monsters outside of us and be yeah. able to say, that lady sucks. That dude sucks. Finding he's bad. He's bad. Yeah. He's, he's good. Quentin Tarantino likes feet. We cancel yeah. him. <laughs> that was like the funniest thing is like when people like the same people who are like no kink shaming are like, it's so gross how much Quentin likes feet. And it's like, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> and, and there is like an absolutism to some progressivism that people want on their terms, right? Right, like, right, Like, yeah. it's like, yes, absolutely every time. Well, except for this, because there's, like, a power dynamic. And so the truth, obviously, is that there's, like, everything's going to be more nuanced than you want it to be. Unfortunately, yeah, But yeah. To, to communicate a message broadly, you can't say, it's complicated. Like, you right, have to be right. like, this is what it is yes, every yes. time. So I do try to, I, I do think You're about- like, all right, technically, it's one of the following 61 <laughs> things. Yes, it's like, no one exactly. wants to hear that. It's like, no, it's cancel him yes. is better. Yeah, yeah, Yes, yeah, yeah. but- uh, so I do, I, I think about that a lot and just like 
the ability and the capacity to live in 2019, to be online, to have any sort of platform right now, but then to be able to do it in a way that is kind and does like affirm the humanity of everybody right. without normalize like, like a Paddington. Like yeah. how, how do you actually do that? And how do you model the behavior and embody the virtue without just like trash talking or putting everyone in a garbage bin or like <sighs> any of the stuff that then people can associate with feeling dehumanized or deintegrated. Right, right, right. It sucks, you know, because it does feel like when you communicate, it does have to be like double down, triple down, quadruple down yeah. on the bad stuff. Yeah. and that, But there is also like... Uh, unfortunately everything is tied to also winning and losing now Yeah, too. Like it's all about, and that's like a very American thing to begin with, but it's like very much that now it's like, if I stop yelling at this person, I've lost, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if this person who's talking to me about my beliefs and is being like, if you're talking to someone and they're like, you attack what they fundamentally believe, even if you're not in an attack mode, people just get like, no, I cannot lose this. Mm -hmm. And like, there are people, there's like a culture of like, I get on Twitter and I win and I like win conversations and I win fights and I win yeah. arguments and like, I have to win this. Like, and it's like, that's not engagement. Like, you know, yeah, like you're like shooting around basketball and someone comes up and just takes the basketball dunks it, and is like, I'm up to nothing. You're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're just like, <laughs> yeah. It's like anytime uh, Ben Shapiro says something like, totally outrageous or offensive. And then everyone quote tweets and says like this idiot. Yeah. It's like, what is the inherent value of it? Like it goes back to the conversation about like viewing media as inherently political. Like I'm not a good person cause I liked black Panther, right? but sometimes people will loudly like things in public spaces and think that alone is a valuable act. Yeah. Like, uh, do I give money to the NAACP? Do I volunteer with at risk youth? No, but, but I, I did Instagram story <laughs> my ticket stub for, for Black Panther. Right, right. And that I'm feels a white like, ally. I saw Black Panther, that's what a it, mega blockbuster. <laughs> the most popular movie of 2018 that made like $2 billion. 2018 was a good year for movies, it turns out. 2018 was. 2019, not so much. No. Are you feeling that too? Feeling 2019, great year for TV. Great TV bad year. year for yeah, movies. A lot of great single season shows this year. Uh, Maybe they'll have another season, but a lot of first seasons of good shows like fucking Rami, I loved. I finally just I finished seen it. Rami, but oh. Another Hulu show, Pen 15. Oh, Pen 15 was like, I think. Love that. I Very think eighth grade adjacent. Pen, that show. Pen 15 was like the best show, I, the best comedy show I saw in 2019. And I think You Should Leave is the funniest comedy show I saw. I didn't think there was yeah. something funnier than Tim Robinson's show this year. Well, and I, I think it's really interesting that people reacted so strongly and positively to that show in that it was absolutely apolitical. Yeah. And it's like virtue. It wasn't like, all right, here's a 20 minute explainer about the estate. Like it, right, yeah. it was like just pure. And you can come at it from an angle of like, he's deconstructing masculinity, which he totally is. But it's right. like, it is just like silly nonsense. Right. It's just, in and, the it's, show. It's, and it feels like a pure form of someone who we likes comedy. Yeah. That's like what pen 15 feels like too. It's like these two women are talent. And the, I think there's a third person, the creative team, like a mm -hmm. director. And it's like, those people are obviously talented and it feels like we're just watching an uncut thing of what they think is funny. You know, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like that feels so rich. And that's why I like Rami too. And I, I, I slept on it for so long and I watched it. I was like, Jesus Christ, this show is, and then 
I, on a small scale, not, and not to go full uh, Instagram storying my Black Panther thing. It's <laughs> like, I never saw a, sh- I never watched a show that had like mosques in it in a not scary way. Oh yeah. They didn't have like someone praying before they go bomb. Right. Someone or it was on, like, yeah. you know, Damien Lewis is like, <laughs> yeah, at the exactly. mosque or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your uncle Damien Lewis. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, we could be unfortunate for better and or worse. Yeah. I see it. Um, but like, so watching a show where a kid like is like a kid, Rami is not that much younger than me, but he's like intrigued by mosques and having the religious struggle that I know so much of my Catholic and Christian friends had, but having it from a religion, I don't know a lot of details about, yeah. or I haven't seen a bunch of shows about. It was just so wild. It was awesome. Like he goes to fucking, you know, he travels in the mo- in the show. It's really fucking good. Yeah. yeah. Um, it sounds like it created a lot of empathy in you. Yes, it did. It, well, it like showed me an angle that I'd never seen before either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it was like, it's really funny to hear about like a Muslim trying to date. You know what I mean? Like with the world of what that requires for based on their beliefs. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. Like, and actually informed by it and right. not just like an aesthetic like he is uh, you know, Southeast Asian or whatever. Right, and exactly. he's also but actually like embedded in the culture. That's why uh Blind by the Light, uh the movie, the Spring Sea movie. I haven't about- watched that yet. I did not like it, unfortunately. But Which one I- is that? Was there two? There's Blind by the Lights, the Springsteen one, oh, okay. where it's about the kid who just like finds Bruce Springsteen. And it's based on a memoir that's a pretty self-serving. Oh, it's, it's like uh, an Indian kid or something like yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And it, uh, it takes place in the UK, and it's like his actual life and liberties taken, uh, directed by uh, the woman who did Ben like Beckham. Oh, okay. But And I, I didn't like the movie, which is such a bummer, because Bruce is my number one. We're recording this on Bruce's 70th birthday today. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday to the Happy boss. Happy Bruce. Happy Bruce Day <laughs> to everybody. But what was powerful about it is like Bruce and especially growing up, I just like could never shake the feeling of like, this is the most basic bro, like straight white heteronormative, like right. white culture. Like, oh yeah, I'm a white man who likes Bruce Springsteen. Also but, water, you yeah, know, like yeah. it felt like that. But then to see someone, but Bruce is also like the ultimate version of that in the same way, like Billy is for us long Islanders where it's like, he's a blue collar hero who is a billionaire. Super <laughs> rich as hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it is like, this thing is like, he gets where it's like me, a plumber who lives in Morristown. <laughs> it's like, his life is nothing like yours anymore. But, Yes, he speaks to all of us. Yeah, yeah. and that, that was what was really powerful. It's like he used certain phrases, and there was like scenes in the movie where it's like, I did that. Like it was on a Walkman instead of an iPod, but it's right. like, oh yeah, I this like it. I was fully connected to that idea, and the the powerful thing about it is that it was his experience and not mine. Right. So like, kind of just thinking about the the connection that we would share, even though having like literally nothing else in common culturally (laughs) was just like so beautiful to behold. Oh, that's uh, the other Bruce movie was Thunder Road or the other Bruce song title was Thunder Road. But that's like, I haven't seen Thunder Road. I've heard good things about that. That's like about a funeral Uh and and someone, I don't know the details other than some, when I was at South by, it was a short or a feature there and people were talking about it. So that's why I didn't remember which one blind by the light is that one. There's a, uh, just to jump back to eighth grade for a second. Yes. And weirdly enough, Demi was on this podcast like 18 months ago or whatever. And, oh, yeah. And we, it was like- I think I listened to that episode. It was like the week after eighth grade yeah. came out and we were talking about eighth grade. And I just like to refer to eighth grade as I've seen so many good horror movies in the theater 
and eighth grade had the same vibe, but for embarrassment, like group cringe. Yeah. Like I was like, and I went in wanting to hate it because I was like, this fucking virtuoso stand up is writing oh, and directing yeah, yeah, a movie. Yeah. And I like Bo Burnham stand up a yeah, lot, but yeah. I still was also reticent to watch it because I was like, ugh, this like young kid who does goofy shit. I'm not going to like it. I watch it. I'm like, this kid's doing something different than everyone else is. Yeah. And then eighth grade, I have the same thing. I'm like, oh, well, this fuck, I don't know why I fell for it again. I'm like, this fucking kid, I goofy stand up. I don't want to watch it. I'm watching his movie. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like so touched by this. But uh, going back to the attitude of like when she's about to do something that's cringeworthy and you can feel like the whole theater going like, no. The pool scene, <laughs> uh, anything yeah. with the other girls. And the song, every time they cut to like the fucking emo kid that she's in love with. Like oh, the yeah. Dun, 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 dun. yeah. And it's so real and yeah. so guttural. It's like, oh, that movie felt so, when she's driving home with the kid in the car, you're like, no, 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 oh, I know, no. Right? Yeah. That was like, that was a gutting movie to like that was another one where <laughs> there's been a few movies i would say paddington 2 was like that eighth grade was like that there was a movie called loving a couple years ago about the supreme court case the interracial oh, yes Kroll yeah. was in it weirdly oh, right, and right. he was really good in it oh shit <laughs> dramatic actor but that, those are a few movies where like after i get out of them i feel like i just got out of a fight yeah because i'm just like wind it and like wet in the face i and love just, i i love letting myself get that fucking taken by a movie. Just yeah. get like that fucked up by yeah, a movie. Yeah, I want to be a Rube and just like, yeah, manipulate me. Like, yeah, get me yeah. into the zone. Do you feel like movies like, um, I mean, they're different totally, but like 8th grade or Paddington 2, like make you want to have a family or have kids more or it less? It makes me want, the thing it doubles down for me is like makes me want to have a family and also makes me want to make movies and stuff. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's like, mute. it's like, inspirational in multiple ways. Yeah. Like I want to like impart the wonders of Paddington two on my own child at some I point. Know. I, I like a, the, not even necessarily showing them the movie, but like the belief behind the movie of like be exactly. kind and polite and the world will be right. It's like not a fucking bad, like base rule, you know, the whole engine, like, and we didn't even mention like the whole engine of plot for the movie is like Paddington just wants to do something nice for his aunt. Oh, and that's, <laughs> fuck, I meant to talk about this because yeah. I, I watched it in two parts last night. Cause I kind of uh, like ate a bunch of food and kind of yeah. dozed off. And I was like, woke back up and yeah you had a couple marmalade sandwiches (laughs) and uh, i felt like paddington i was all full but when he's just like but i won't have the money to get the nice gift for my aunt lucy i'm like right he's in jail he's wrongfully imprisoned because all he wanted was to get a nice birthday gift and he still stands by it when everything gets so problematic for him and he says the line he's like it's just that aunt lucy did so much for me yeah and i'm like oh my god God, I don't know anyone who has that attitude. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And that that's where it is. It gets into this weird aspirational. Like, that's why I was like, even when I was like ranking movies last year or whenever it was, it was like, I feel like it's like a bunch of movies and like a family member. So yeah. like in, in terms of like my level of affection or right, right. You're like, okay, here's solo. Saw it. Fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have not thought about it or we'll never rewatch it ever Good again. Grief, no. Paddington two, 13 times. Is perfect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that idea and the whole reason he wants to get out of jail, he's not like, uh, so I can go be free and you like want, do my job and be a rock star. Like, well, I gotta, I gotta clear my name so I can go get the book and then give it to my aunt. like. Yeah, I'm worried that Aunt Lucy's not gonna have a birthday gift because I'm in jail. Right, which is something you don't notice until like 
or maybe you don't notice until like afterwards, which I think again speaks to the quiet dignity of like self forgetfulness, and and which is very hard to do. I think right, when we right. do this stuff, but <laughs> like, but just the idea of like, what would it be like to live a life that's actually so focused on others that like every decision you make is serving a greater thing, a greater purpose, a greater yeah. person, someone you love in your life. And like, could not imagine. Doing that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you want to like the whole thing. And then when he's in bed at the end, talking to his family, he's like, she did so much for me. And I just want to make her proud. Yeah. I just want to make her proud. And I think that speaks to a lot of, I think those of us who have or had good relationships with our, with our parents feel resonant with that idea. Yeah. Of like, as far as like career work stuff goes or anything I'm doing in my life, like I care about eating and I care about like being able to pay my rent <laughs> right. and, and like being in good relationship with my friends. But as far as like who I'm doing anything for, it's like, I want to make my parents proud. I want to like be a good peer and a good friend to yeah. my peers and friends. And then everything else is whatever. Right. 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 Yeah. Do you feel that? Like, I know I your dad way, passed away. I feel, I feel that way, but like less with the connection to the parents. Okay. Yeah. Cause, uh, I don't feel the need to make my mom proud because I don't know if that is possible possible really? in a way, but not because she's awful, but because she's sort of dense and does her own thing. You yeah. know, it's just so like I I have a I have a, I had a weird. Uh, the more I talked to Tiffany and my therapist about my childhood and the way things were, the more, the more like oh, <laughs> the more I <laughs> that was normal. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I have this thing where I hate when Tiffany is over my shoulder seeing if I'm doing something correctly. Uh -huh. Like it's just, and it's because my dad would like watch you do everything in the house if he was home and tell you how you were doing it wrong constantly. And so I have such, I'm so ready to be angry in yeah. those moments that I'm like, just get out of the kitchen. I'm going to do the fucking dishes. She's yeah. like, no, no, I was just making sure. And I was like, I know how to do this. And it's like, <laughs> this is just a woman who's like, we live together. Here's my feedback on this. <laughs> and to yeah. me, I'm like, you're telling me I'm doing everything wrong. You know, and it's like, <laughs> I never do anything right. And all of a sudden I'm like snapped back to this old version of myself. And I'm like dealing with that where I'm like, right. That oh, let's talk about how I do the dishes. Yeah, yes, that's yeah, completely yeah. reasonable. <laughs> you have stronger opinions about blank than I do. So do you feel it, the impulse to make Tiffany proud? Yes, that's yeah. one hundred percent true. Yeah, like I want to be good and great for her. Yeah, you know, and so that's very. And I now also have like this thing of like I need to do, and I don't know what it is, but like I I feel the need to just make a mark you know what i mean like and i think it's because of like i'm watching fucking like you know like those dog rescue videos or like uh this person is walking across america for raise you know awareness for vets and yeah. like just like random shit you see where you're like oh my god i guess i could like i would never fucking like go to the Sudan and bring back 50 dogs. Like I'm not going to do anything and I'm not even doing anything approximating that. And I'm like, how do I fucking, yeah. like, that's like, cause you just want to add good to the world at the end of the day. Like it's like, you just want to leave the world karmically in the black. Like I don't want to leave this world having taken more from it than putting into it. You know, at church this Sunday, the way they put it was like, we should have a campground ethic of like, leave it better than you found it. Yes. Like, and not even like, and this was like a sermon rejecting the idea of like, we're going to go to heaven. And it's all fine. So who gives a shit about climate change? And they're like, fuck that. 
like actually take care of everything here and now with people who like maybe they're Christian who gives a shit, but like leave it better than you found it. Yeah. And like that idea I think is, but the thing that Paddington too gets into is that I do feel like it is an arc of like having faith, losing it and finding it again because his faith, like you could do an allegory of like Aunt Lucy is like a godlike figure because right. he's, this, he's behaving a certain way for her. Right. And it's like, I've been given this, this, these ethics and it's from this, this woman who I love, uh, that is my aunt. And, and then it didn't work. I'm in prison. Everything's bad. I got framed for this crime. It didn't work and it didn't matter. And who cares? And at the end, that's what he believes until he sees the impact of his personal legacy on everybody. Yes. So he's like, oh, who can't like being kind of polite. Turns out it, it, it didn't matter. Right, when he sees how his actions affected yeah. so many people, the but book doesn't matter. Everyone anymore. who, mm, it's hard to talk about, but everyone who's like in the house at the end where it's like, without you, we would have never met and gone together. I would always be locked outside of my house. I would never have a sandwich on the way to work. Like, yeah. like it did matter, but you, you kept your head down so much and did the work that you couldn't like appreciate the, the bigger fact, picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's like really powerful because for most of us, we won't be Bruce Springsteen or we won't be like these huge, like whatever the, even like the Sudan stuff or yeah, Greta yeah. Thunberg or whoever it right, is. Right. But there is, so it does speak to the idea kind of in a similar way that up does where uh, you saw up. Yes. Yeah. And the whole thing is like, Carl's like, well, I didn't get the adventure and she died like not having the adventure and he opens up the picture book and it's them and they were the adventure oh, and like what the yeah. life that they provided for each other that's all she actually cared about in the same way Paddington was like I think it, it does speak to um, the virtue of having like personal impact in your life even if it's like something that people can't see or yeah. it's unmeasurable or it doesn't get that many retweets <laughs> or like listen or whatever right, the metric right, right, is right. that everyone else in the world is saying like this is what matters and this is our girl and this is our guy yeah. but like doing things in your life that leave people in places better than they found them Hell, I like that which I think is so hard to actually heard, do uh, by the way I haven't I just for interest of full dis in interest of full disclosure I haven't had a friend that I was talking to reference going to church recent church yeah. at all. <laughs> like this is me. Like I have like some friends I know that still go to church, yeah. but barely like I just hearing you say that was <laughs> so <startling>. unusual <laughs> that it pointed out. Why is that unusual? Like, like I had to go like, that's unusual. No, it's not. Wait, why do I think that's unusual? Oh, <laughs> like just like the crowd I roll. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so wait, you're you you found a church out here that you like? Yeah. 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 It took a little bit. But yeah. I was going to one church here for like eight or nine years, and then that became untenable, and I just yeah that it was a bad situation. So then I switched churches. Now so I'm I'm assuming you were religious growing up, or yeah. your family was yeah. religious, and you kept some of these beliefs yeah. or all of them however whatever version of it is you've kept in yeah. and out and yeah. like changes day to day but like enough where it's like this is more good than harm in my life and i do find a lot of this valuable enough to like participate in it somewhat right, right so it kept right. me in it to a degree uh and then there was a church I, I was going to for a long time here but then like slowly you know i've been here for 10 years in la and the person i was when i first moved here to now has changed and shifted in a lot of ways. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff that this church believed about certain people and like queer people and women, it was just like, oh yeah, I absolutely cannot be a part of this right. anymore. I can't even like ignore it. 
Like yeah. maybe I was just ignoring it in the past. Well, I didn't know how strongly I felt about it. I and can't I was just ignore like, okay, it. Just ignore, yeah. And there's a the thing of like, well, you can like be a positive force that like you maybe you can be a padding tip. But then sometimes it's like, listen, it, <laughs> some things might be too big for padding tip. Yeah, to you don't reform, need to like, nail 95 theses on the yes, door of exactly. your fucking like, the the church that you're part of out here when you can find a church that fits a little more into your yeah, yeah. and somewhere that like actually uh, is not degrading to any kind of person to women to people of color right. to queer people or trans people in yeah. any way that's so. yeah i know that's so funny that like progressive has a bad word because i was going to be like oh it's like a progressive church but it's like i don't want to offend anyone when i say that but it's like wait when did progress become bad like the word itself sounds bad I talk radio in the 90s probably <laughs> right, yeah. which i was raised on <laughs> <Right>. obviously <laughs> you had tv i was raised on rush limbaugh oh i was raised on again that's really funny you saying rush limbaugh because we didn't have we listened to a ton of talk radio in my house but we listened to imus Opie and Anthony, Mike and the Mad Dog, and like Howard Stern, all these like oh interesting. And they just made me think of like the Joe Rogan shit because all of that's like everyone's got one toe into like something like sure you're pretty close. Opie and Anthony's fandom is like you know a little toxic in a fun way, but then when the talk. Like when you start, when the most toxic elements bubble to the top, you're like, yikes, yeah, this is not what I'm bad. here for. Like, yeah. I love like fucked up prank phone calls and weird, dirty sex stuff, but like, I don't, uh, this is just like a bad belief. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. <laughs> On the Don, I mean, he's the one that made the comments about the host yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All that stuff. Um, yeah. And it was just like, oh, and that's the shit I was listening to. And I didn't realize, like, it's funny because you say like talk radio, Rush Limbaugh. And I'm like, that's. That would have been a fucked up childhood, but <laughs> I'm listening to like Howard, Opie and Anthony, all these people and Howard is clearly not fully, but you could see how fans of Howard become a certain, like, you know, the Venn diagram of Howard fans and like beliefs that I disagree totally, with is yeah. probably, you know, I also have played sports my whole life. So like I run into a lot of this weird negative attitude where I disagree with a lot of my peer, you know, I went to a Catholic college. So a lot of my peers I disagree with. Now. But don't you think that's good? And that does like, yeah, because even like the, the people I knew from that first church, a lot of them I'm still friends with it and like have genuine love and respect for, and also think they believe heinous things and right. like <laughs> stuff that like sucks shit. But I think it's important to actually be in relationship with that and not like give them money and a platform and stuff. <laughs> right, right, and like, right, right. Hey, come do my podcast. They'll never and, do my podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, but that's a way you can keep from, I don't think Paddington would hate anyone. I don't think Mr. Rogers would hate anyone. Yeah, I don't think Paddington would like write off fucking <laughs> Owen Benjamin or You're whatever. You're actually canceled, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Gabris. <laughs> like he would not. <laughs> no. He would He would just model some behavior, then you'd cry and want to do it. Yeah, I was like, I got to copy this Paddington guy. Um, Kevin, thanks so much for talking to me, man. Hey, this is so fun. thanks for having me. Yes. Uh, Paddington 2 helped us get into like weirdly other heavy topics, yes. which I think is important. If, as if you're listening you haven't seen it, you have to see it. Holy shit, yeah. I can't believe we didn't even say that at any point oh, in this yeah. podcast. If you, haven't, if you haven't listened to Paddington, <laughs> if you haven't watched Paddington 2, shut this off yeah. and watch that fucking movie. It'll Holy change shit. your life. Yeah, it really will. It changed mine. And it's on HBO Go for free currently. It right might now. be. Yes, yeah. I believe so. But uh, here's a word of warning. Don't get it on iTunes if you rent it. Rent it from Amazon Prime because they messed up the color timing on iTunes. No. <laughs> they over brightened it and oversaturated it. And on Amazon, it's correct. And on iTunes, it's not. 
Oh shit! HBO and, Go looked fly. It looked great last okay, night. Okay, it's yeah, probably yeah, good yeah, on HBO yeah, Go. Yeah. But yeah, I was very because I was like, I've seen it eight times. I know what it's supposed to look like, <laughs> and it's beautiful. And that's a huge part very of it. Is beautiful. its palette is like so amazing. Yeah, yeah. beautiful love, music too. Yeah, the soundtrack's music. so so good. I I can listen to the soundtrack now and like just play the movie. In my, like I've seen it and listened oh, to it so many yeah. times where it's like, oh yeah, now Mr. Brown's coming down the stairs. Like I just yeah. I love uh, when him and Lucy are walking and like they're in the pop up book and they. Like get on the bus. That's the best. Like, that's like that was the first thing where I was just sequence. like, "Oh no, yeah. here it comes!" And then he has like five nearly silent, like Mr. Bean level physical gags throughout. Like the they window did have washing. a clown consultant for the movie. Did you I know believe this? it? Yeah, they had someone like come in and like the stuff where he like squirts mustard on knuckles and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, when he gets one foot in the flower pot. Yeah, like, his stances are very funny. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like that. It's like I keep saying Mr. Bean because it's British and silent and but you get it from like what's going on right. but there's an element of like it's like a musical that where the music scenes just don't have lyrics yeah and it, it also like, becomes a musical at the end right. too with the follies <laughs> number with you it's Grant. everything you need it's, it to be it's everything you project sure. whatever you need onto Paddington 2 and it'll give, give it back it to you I and promise more. I promise <laughs> we're both weeping screaming about Paddington 2 I promise he'll do right by you <laughs> little dude um, well, let's plug your podcast, Good Christian Fun. GCF. GCF, Good baby. Christian Fun. Sister show on the network. Oh, Head yeah. Gum. Fellow Don't Gummer. you feel so connected to me? <laughs> yeah, we're best friends because of that. <laughs> As we are with all of our fellow podcasters. Yes. Isn't that correct? Hello, Megan Batoon. Hey. Shouts out. I am friends with Megan Batoon. I, I She's just great. like met her this She's year. She's wonderful. So. Also, shouts out to Lauren Lafkiss, your former co-host on Raised by TV. Yeah. Because she's a huge Paddington stan. That... I think she was like one of the people who helped build up the fucking because yeah. I think I texted her right after I saw it and I was like, dude, Paddington, you were right. Paddington Two is nuts. Yeah, yeah, we bonded. I we both came to realize that we should stay on Twitter because if we weren't on Twitter, we wouldn't have known that the other liked Paddington. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the value of Twitter. Have, in if I wasn't on Twitter, I wouldn't have gotten Paddington right? Two. And is it enough to undo everything that Twitter's done to my brain? Yeah, Not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, but good Christian fun. Uh, get that wherever you get podcasts. Every Wednesday, we talk about Christian pop culture, <laughs> DC Talk, Newsboys, Reliant K, Switchfoot, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, but you don't have to be a Christian to watch or listen or watch. You can't watch it. It's you a podcast. It, but you, get, you can be Christian. If you're Christian, you can watch it in your mind. Yeah, if yeah. You're not when Christian, you, you, can just, you can still listen to it and enjoy That's it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Um, what's your Twitter if people want to tag us both in their favorite Paddington 2 hey, memory? please. T- I, anytime I'm tagged on Paddington stuff, and it does happen every couple months where it's like, this dog is dressed like Paddington. And someone tags you because they know you've put they out know. so much. Yeah. They're utterly delighted. So that, I'm at, at Kevin T. Porter when at you want Kevin to Kevin T. Porter. So tweet at both of us, at Gabrus and at Kevin T. Porter, what you got from the Paddington movie, what Paddington yes. 2 instilled in you. What does you. it mean to you? What does it mean to you? I love when I get tagged in something by like, fans or listeners and they sort of get, and they get you enough like the Paddington 2 thing I got tagged at one time in a new, new York Post headline that was like New York legalizes nunchucks and it was like someone tagged me like at Gabris feel like this news is important to you <laughs> and I was like you are right that is right in my wheel this would be in my algorithm yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you fandom yeah. is that an action boys thing a lot of nunchuck talk on there yeah you know I just I'm a big fan of chucks you okay know? <laughs> got chucks. I gotta get a weapons rack for in here yeah <laughs> Um, well, Kevin, thanks for talking to me, man. Thanks for having me. Bye, shitheads.
That was a HeadGum Podcast.